1: Five, four, three, two, one. We
2: interrupt our program to bring you this important message.
0: A confirmed attack
3: is taking place against the United States. Aliens from an unknown location have been
0: reported in multiple states. We are controlling transmission.
4: There is another world that awaits far beyond what we can see and feel. A place that's anything but ordinary. What you believe
1: might not be. Step into the zone of the best unknown. You
5: aliens, ghosts, big conspiracies, and cover ups. Into the we week.
2: Welcome one, welcome all to the land of the unknown, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. I am Jeremy Scott from the cold, dark depths of a secret dungeon somewhere deep in the remote Pacific Northwest. As always, it's good to have you gathered around the radio for a discussion tonight that no doubt might have your skin crawling. When we talk about paranormal phenomenon, which is a big driver of this program... It is one of those subjects that I am most fascinated with because it is not one of those things that you can really put into a box. So we unpack it, we think outside the box, and we talk about strange locations and about the experiences that individuals have had at these locations. Sometimes we're talking about uh, places that have maybe uh, some residual energy in a variety of fashions. That sometimes causes or is responsible for ghostly activity. Maybe it's lights in the skies or UFOs, non-human entities. Uh, Really, there's a variety of anomalies that people experience. Somewhere between the paranormal and the abnormal. And there's a place where time seems to move differently and where strange things tend to happen. Everybody knows about the Skinwalker Ranch, but far fewer known, know about the place known as Bradshaw Ranch, which is in uh, near Sedona, Arizona. It's a property that has become known as a paranormal hotspot. And after the end of our conversations tonight you'll understand why that is the case. Those who have been there over the years have reported a variety of phenomena, as we talked about. Some believe that it has to do with uh, vortices or perhaps even interdimensional portals. One of my favorite subjects to discuss is that theory. If there could be these openings in which this activity manifests, well, the saying goes, there is strength in numbers, And tonight, oh boy, we have numbers. I just went out and told the wife, I've got five guests tonight, and she said, good luck. It sometimes can be a task trying to make sure everybody gets a word in, that we make sure that everybody has an opportunity to tell us their story. So we've broken up the show tonight, and joining us first on the show, Alan McGargle and Ron Meyer. Their latest work, The Mystery of Bradshaw Ranch, debuted this past weekend at Phenomicon. Alan McGargle, who has been here on the program, as has Ron before, is a filmmaker and director, paranormal investigator, and Bigfoot researcher. Ron owns his uh, own film production company, has produced and directed feature films, and they're here now to tell us all about Bradshaw Ranch. Good evening to both of you.
6: Howdy. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having us on again.
2: Yeah, tell us where this location is first, and uh, describe the area, if you wouldn't mind.
3: Should I take that, Alan? Yeah, go ahead, Ron. So, uh, if you know where Sedona is, it's in northern Arizona, uh, probably about 40 miles south of the Grand Canyon. It's a very special place with with remarkable rock formations, red rock formations. And Bradshaw Ranch, as a crow flies, is probably, I would say, 20 miles at most. You have to get there, taking one of the major highways out of the city, and then take a dirt road for about a half hour to reach the ranch. It's in a valley, and it's surrounded by these same rock formations that you'll see, it, see in Sedona.
2: Is this private property?
3: belongs to the government it belongs to us so the people it was it was it was private property until 2003 and then it was purchased by the government by an act of congress and it's a little mysterious what actually why they purchased it the the reason they said was to study climate change on native species but that's kind of silly because um Most of the species there have been modified by extensive ranching that took place over the period in which the the Bradshaw family owned the ranch. And so there's speculation that there was a technology there they were interested in examining somebody like the government. And there's evidence that we found that this was going on and it's in the movie.
2: Alan, it's not too far-fetched for you to believe that the government knows what g- goes on here and therefore had to purchase the property uh, in which to, uh, what, control the narrative, lock down the access to it? Because you can't just walk right in, right?
6: Well, you know, that, that would be the thought, but uh, it turns out um, as of when we were there last, now I think things have changed since we've stirred things up a bit. But, yes, you you can kind of walk right in there. It's It seems that the government… At least on the surface, has somewhat abandoned it. Um, the some of the equipment we found that may have been installed by the government seems um, potentially inactive, or or at least um, th- it hasn't been maintained very well.
2: And by equipment, do you mean uh, sensors, some way in which to document this activity?
6: Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's there's a few sensors there with um, some, a control panel and. Uh, solar power and all those kinds of things. And they look, you know, like they've been set up and kind of left, left alone. So it's kind of a, a big mystery, um, what they were doing out there. If there's, if they're still continuously out there or, or what really is, is going on from the government standpoint. Um, I know, uh, tall that'll be on later. He's had some experiences that, that are more related to that. Um, we didn't really have any encounters out there, um, that provided evidence to that, um, other than what you know, we saw with the sensors and stuff.
2: So, does the government have a position, an official or unofficial position, on the ranch? Besides, you know, as Ron told us, what they're using it for. Uh, have they responded to a- any of the reports of this uh, phenomenon, like UFOs, lights in the sky, non-human entities, uh, Bigfoot, uh, strange temperature readings, radiation levels, all of that? Okay, so no official government uh, statement on the matter, but they're certainly interested enough in, in order to uh, purchase the property. Uh, give us uh, an understanding of the history, uh, because at one point it got its name uh, Bradshaw Ranch because of the family that owned it.
3: Yes, yeah, it was originally purchased by, by, I think it's John or Bob, I can't remember which which bradshaw it is and he he basically developed it as a hollywood set for making western movies and then when it fell to his son which is either john or bob it became more of a functional ranch a place uh for people to come and experience the land and ride horses and more recreational aspect to it but in the end it was linda bradshaw that ended up as the last resident from uh, the Bradshaw family, and she's the one that started detecting, at least uh, to the extent that she wanted to report, you know, odd phenomena occurring on the ranch, multiplicity of of orbs and sightings of Bigfoot.
2: So the first reports came from Linda Bradshaw, and when was that?
3: Mid-90s.
2: Okay, and uh, has... When was the first investigation uh, of the property uh, that we're aware of as far as uh, uh, paranormal researchers and and the like?
3: I think that falls to Tom Dongo and Linda Bradshaw. They they documented and took pictures of stuff and stuff and wrote books and published them in the 90s as well.
2: All right. Uh, so you guys have been to the property, correct? Oh, yeah. How many times?
3: We were there on two occasions: one in the fall, one in the spring. Multiple days and multiple nights on each visit.
2: What did you experience, Alan?
6: Um, well, pretty much everything. You know, we originally uh, set out to um, make a f- uh, ending to a film that we're working on, and this grew and grew and grew and became its own film. So now we still have to go find an ending for our other film. But uh, we experienced um, paranormal activity in in the in the form of um, orbs and um, figures on the SLS and communication through a REM pod and spirit box equipment. Um, We saw UAPs um, and I had my first ever Bigfoot sighting uh, at Bradshaw Ranch. And
3: and we have, we captured on a trail cam, what everybody describes as an interdimensional portal, a, a triangular, translucent shape over the area we call the space of high strangeness where we pretty much document documented a interdimensional portal on our second visit
2: i believe you uh sent me a picture of that alan is that the one or uh, excuse me ron is that the one you sent me
6: yeah that that picture is from uh, Hoodoo Tal, um, and. Tall. Um, he showed that to me after I saw the creature, and I I was able to identify that that was what I had seen.
2: Interesting. Ah, uh, that was the one with the entity on it, or the one that looks like there's uh, some sort of vortex. Uh,
6: well, both, but that's the one with the uh, entity.
2: Okay, uh, but there's also some documented uh, uh, documentation of there being some sort of uh, portal on the property, right?
3: Absolutely. We there there's this there's three structures on, on the beginning of the property. One is an adobe house that was the original settlement, you know, place that people used to settle it. And then the, the Bradshaws built a fairly large house to live in and it functioned as a movie set at times in a restaurant. And then there's the windmill and they form a triangle. And the place of high of high is is sort of between on a on on a trail, kind of a or the gravel trail between the ranch house and the adobe house, and that's if you're looking at. Uh, did I send you that picture of the uh, of the portal, the triangle, yeah. or thing? And
2: I'll throw it out there for the audience to see exactly what we're uh, talking about.
3: So that thing sits right right over the area that we did some le- magnetic measurements that were off the chart, and they seem to be located. What would you say, Alan? About eight feet in the air? Yeah,
6: that Seven. sounds about right. Seven to ten, somewhere in there. And then
3: we took out our thermal. And the thermal identified a extremely cold spot at that same place. Pretty and large. Very large. And then it was a little white thing moving around. And one of the people who understands the science says that's a plasmoid. It's it's an indicator of something from, from another universe that has a different physics. And it's dry, and it's drawing upon the energy of the surrounding. That's why it's cold. And that's what opens the portal in his, in his estimation.
2: And we all, we all got zapped there in a way that was quite unpleasant. Okay, we'll hear about that when we come back. Uh, Joining us right now, Alan McGargle and Ron Meyer. And we're talking about the property known as Bradshaw Ranch out near Sedona, Arizona. And we'll continue our conversation when we continue right after this.
0: Into the paranormal. Sedona, Arizona and its paranormal centerpiece, Bradshaw Ranch, is one of the most beautiful and mysterious places on the planet. A place of high strangeness. A place where vortexes and interdimensional openings have been occurring for centuries. The place recognized as one of the great paranormal hotspots
3: in the world.
2: Talking Bradshaw Ranch out near Sedona, Arizona with Alan McGargle and Ron Meyer. Tom Dongo's going to join us as well here after the bottom of the hour. Uh, uh, Ron, you were talking about this this plasmoid and uh, describing that and the energy that comes along with it and how that ties into the uh, theory that there's some sort of interdimensional portal at play here. So please continue that thought.
3: So at one point on our trail cam... We had multiple orbs, I would say, probably 30 of them, one after another, pouring out of that triangular structure. And, you know, you, you think they might be backscattered, but there was absolutely no movement of the grass in the foreground. And then the last trail cam shot we got was the orbs went back. Like they had been around for us just because they wanted to connect with us. And we, we captured also on the trail cam other images of, of orbs that were moved beyond behind objects such as the windmill. But one of the more interesting aspects that started us off is that it takes roughly 30 minutes to get from the paved highway to Bradshaw Ranch. And the first night of our investigation I called Tom Dongle who will speak and said what time should we go out there? And he said seven. So we met we met Hugo, I mean tall, and uh at roughly six thirty and we drove and we got lost. We wandered around in some sort of unknown way and we shouldn't have got lost on the road because uh Jurgen had driven that many times and strangely enough we arrived at seven o'clock exactly. And, so uh,
2: it felt like it was taking a whole lot longer, but you actually uh, did arrive on time, which goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where it seems like time moves a little differently. Maybe it slows down.
3: I don't know. It was strange. We looked, we, we had a record on We had a rental car. And we could see that we were wandering around and weaving around in an area that was kind of unknown to us, a bunch of roads, seeing strange structures, and then. All of a sudden, we got on the main road, and we were or the main gravel road, and we were at Bradshaw right on time, which is an indication. I thought that hey, it's setting the stage for us.
2: Interesting. Uh, did you feel uh, a different uh, energy at the site?
3: At the site, well, cer- certainly when we were lost, we all thought we were, it all felt a little strange to us. But at the site, there was depends upon where you are there. There are places that'll knock you on your ass
6: and other, and there are places where it feels just fine. Would you agree, Alan? Yeah, for sure. I also would want to add that, uh, when we did get there, um, on time, it was probably about two hours later that I, I had the Bigfoot sighting. So it was, it was that night. It was almost like everything just lined up so perfectly to, uh, have the encounter that needed to be had. Um, but for sure there's, there's places in there that, uh, that feel wildly different than others, for sure.
2: And uh, for from sure. what I understand, uh, sometimes you don't necessarily always see something, but you can definitely sense it. So tonight's program, Sensing the Strange, we'll have more of our conversation talking about Bradshaw Ranch in Sedona, Arizona. After the news break, I'm Jeremy Scott. Somewhere between the paranormal and abnormal.
4: abnormal news. A secret memo is bringing to light what Canada knew about unidentified objects like the one shot down over the Yukon Territory earlier this year.
3: NORAD confirmed um, that an unidentified object uh, entered unlawfully Canadian airspace. Uh, It represented a reasonable threat to civilian aircraft. so I gave the order to take it down.
4: A classified memo was delivered to Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in February, according to CTV News, who obtained the heavily redacted document through a Freedom of Information request. It states there were far more of these objects than were reported during the first few weeks of the year, at least 23, in fact. The memo says, quote, its function, method of propulsion and affiliation to any nation state remains unverified, end quote. Only one of the objects has been identified as a suspected Chinese spy balloon. Canada's Department of National Defense has not disclosed how many more unidentified objects have since been detected over North America. George Henry, Paranormal News.
5: We had things around us we could feel that we couldn't see. We, we felt they could see us, but we couldn't see them. Today, there is a growing understanding that there's
0: something about the underlying geology of Sedona and Bradshaw Ranch that facilitates the opening of interdimensional portals.
4: Dial into the pair of normal from the U.S. and Canada at 503-506-0396 or reach us internationally on Skype at ITP51. Bradshaw Ranch
2: near Sedona, Arizona, the property that we're discussing tonight. Alan McGargle and Ron Meyer, their documentary is uh, now available, The Mystery of Bradshaw Ranch Portals and the Paranormal. want to welcome to the program Tom Dongo now, who is widely recognized as an expert on the paranormal, UFOs, and extraterrestrials. He has authored eight books, including one which focuses on the activity at Bradshaw Ranch, actually co-authored with former owner of the property, linda bradshaw who we discussed earlier it's called merging dimensions tom's website is t-o-m-d-o-n-g-o tom com. welcome to the program
5: yeah it's great to be here jeremy thank you
2: absolutely uh what are your thoughts on what you've heard so far on the program
5: well yeah it gave me a lot of a lot of uh, interesting things to think about you know i was out there four and a half years so i (laughs) I've got, uh, I, I think I consider it to be the most mysterious, uh, spot in the world. E- even considering that I know the Skinwalker guys, the Skinwalker ranch, uh, that crew pretty good. And, uh, and the, and the owner, uh, uh, Brandon, uh, but, uh, I, uh, uh, yeah, well, oh yeah. What I was going to say was the, uh, the, the, the fog, you know, I've got a picture of, uh, uh, Linda's truck. She had a pickup truck and, uh. I don't, I don't think anybody really knows what that fog is. Like maybe it's plasma. I don't know. But, but it, it surrounded uh, uh, Linda's truck, her pickup. And the, truck, the, the pickup was bouncing. I mean, literally b- bouncing quite a bit, like six or eight inches. The whole truck was bouncing up and down. So somehow that, that, uh, that field of plasma of energy, and it's clearly in the picture. You can see it surrounding the truck. And, and uh, the truck was really bouncing, I mean, almost off the ground. So it's pretty mysterious.
2: And what do you believe that is?
5: Well, you know, <laughs> I spent four and a half years out there, three, three uh, usually about three or four nights a week because it was, it was so fascinating. Uh, you know, I don't know. There, there are things that happened on that ranch that I have no explanation for. I have no idea what it was. But, uh, you know, I, uh, I don't want to make assumptions because I, I could be completely wrong. But I was there to experience all of it, and it was, uh, it was uh, incredible to the max.
2: So we heard from the guys earlier, the kinds of things they experienced. What about you?
5: Oh boy. (laughs) This is the 86th show worldwide show. I've I've been on the radio and I've talked to about 60 million people on, on these shows.
2: Well, here's hoping uh, you reach another 60 million tonight.
5: Yeah. So, uh, 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 I don't know. You, you, uh, anything you can assume, I I probably experienced. I mean, it's, it's, uh, Linda Bradshaw and I uh were there every night and her husband Bob he he uh he uh he, he was a, a, a an old redneck Arizona cowboy. I mean he, he was there in 1949. He bought he bought he actually bought that ranch in 1949. Not 69 like some people say. At at any rate Bob was <laughs> he was on national TV. He was on the paranormal borderline show and uh they had him on national TV, and uh, there was a, a disc, a disc shape, a, a disc shaped UFO came over the hill by the ranch, and it was surrounded by about a hundred orbs, and it landed in the, the apple orchard right in front of him. So he uh, he figured that was enough for him. He would not come out. Lindo used to, would go in and say, "Bob, you have got to come out and see this," and he, he wouldn't. He would just stay in, stay inside and watch TV. So uh, that was enough for him. He, <laughs> you know, for an old cowboy, uh, he, uh, he, uh, but Linda and I were out there every night until about midnight, I guess. And I used to drive back and I had some of my weirdest experiences on the drive back at one o'clock in the morning from the Bradshaw ranch. I, I mean, really scary stuff. I actually got used to it after a while. I've had, uh, UFOs sitting there waiting for me, uh, off the road. It happened actually many times. And, uh, uh, I, I, a couple of times I stopped at the top of bradshaw hill Bradshaw Hill, and I'm looking at these things, I wonder, what the hell am I going to do so i i said ah, i'm going to go I'm gonna go for it and uh so I started down the hill. there's one spot that's low enough so that uh when I get to the, the rise on the other side, they were gone. They probably just blinked their lights out uh and then uh uh so I, I, that that happened actually quite often, so it was pretty uh and then one night I was driving out of, out of there, and I knew damn well that there was no uh, uh, ranch, other ranches around there. So I'm driving down the road, and uh, I'm, I'm looking at this huge, huge, uh, it was, it was, a, it was a, 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 a ship. It was on the ground. And I'm, say, I'm saying to myself, I, didn't, I never saw this ranch before because I've been in and, out of, in and out of there hundreds of times. And I could see all the lights, you know, like, like the, they were like, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking that was, they were ranch lights, you know, and windows and that sort of thing. So I'm thinking, well, this is funny. How come I never noticed this before? And it's right there. So it was a huge craft. It was on the ground. And the, uh, they, they made me think that it was a, a ranch house I'd never seen before. So that stuff happened all the time out there.
2: Interested in your thoughts, gentlemen, on what it is about the rock formations out in that area, and if that has anything to do with this kind of stuff that we've been talking about tonight.
3: So, Jeremy, I, w- I would like to interject, you know, the most amazing thing that happened when we interacted with, a, with an alien life form, if we might, which, uh, by, by the way, the movie is not available yet. It, Still in the distributor's hands, and we don't know exactly when it's going to be released. But um, the last night of our last investigation, we we used do you know what a, what the uh, SLS device is?
2: Is that the thermal one?:
6: No, Alan, you want to tell them quickly. Oh, yeah, it's uh, inf- infrared uh, with the Xbox Connect that uh, locks onto to human forms when it finds them. Oh, yes. Actually, now that you
2: say that, I am familiar with that. I've heard of that being used in a uh, ghost investigation. So now that you say that, yes.
3: So we set up um, another person came out. His name is Benjamin, and he set up his electronic equipment to detect any unusual phenomena that might occur and recorded it on his computer. And uh, we also, uh, uh, this is on the second trip last night. We also bought a small Tesla coil. We placed it 25 feet away from the, uh, the computer. And on the SLS, we see this entity emerge on the SLS that first touches the, tre- the Tesla coil, and then it touches the computer, then it touches them both, and this is spanning 25 feet. And then we catch it, so so Ben is having trouble calibrating his system. He's kneeled down behind the computer. And we can see him, and there's an entity above him. And he, he claims, and I think it's correct, that he it was, it was not letting him do what he wanted to do with his computer and his magnetometer. And then, as, an, as the evening progressed, the entity now in full human form sat in a chair on the stage and uh, we recorded it there, and I took out a laser a laser beam and poked it at its feet. You can clearly see its head look down and kick at it. So whatever is there is certainly aware of the room and what it is, and it knows what technology we have, and it knows how to interact with it. So as Alexander said, it's a... Sentient, precognitive, non-human intelligence,
2: <laughs> and there was other it's non-human an... intelligence as well, right? That's uh, where uh, Alan also had his Bigfoot sighting.
3: He was on the ranch, but it was in a different building. It was in the adobe building. This was in we first encountered using we using the SLS. The first time we encountered it was in relationship to a cold spot in the the ranch house where where was was did you have electromagnetic or re- readings and then the cold and stuck your hand in it and then you pulled out your, your um app on on your phone and you saw a creature sitting on the thing and that that inspired us to buy the the full fledged um top of the shelf SLS camera that could record and uh, the tesla coil and in the Adobe house on our second time back, we we saw two of these entities, but they weren't in human form. They were kind of in some sort of odd form, but not quite human yet. But we, we noticed that they did interact with the laser beam. In what way? Showing, showing that they could see it and, and try to kick it. <laughs> I mean, uh, whether they're kicking it or not, they're just saying, well, look, we see it and we can move. We can touch
2: it. Were you hoping they stepped in front of it so you could see something, or maybe you did see something?
3: We, we could only see them on the SLS device, although Hudu uh, uh, Tal, who will be on later, actually sat on one, and he could describe what that was like. That was back in the second trip on um, when we were in the uh, ranch house. You want to add anything to that, Alan?
2: Uh, okay. What was the question? Uh, he was talking about the experience. He just wanted to, uh, know if you had anything to add about what happened with this entity.
6: I mean, to me, it was, uh, there, there was nothing there until we started, um, firing Tesla coil and, and doing different things to kind of bring them in. Uh, and then, and then they were visible through the SLS and, and they seemed to interact with the uh the laser and, and different things that we tried to do to sort of encourage them to interact with us. Uh it, it was really uh very interesting.
2: So it it, it it is demonstrating some sort of intelligence then they're the ability to comprehend uh and then to respond, right? Absolutely, right. yeah.
3: And then Ben, who had his electronic equipment. It was all recorded. He could see the intensity when it was messing with him, when he was trying to get his computer calibrated, and then when it moved away and when it interacted with us, he got these spikes. And in the end, the uh, the entity turned off his computer, didn't didn't drain the batteries, didn't destroy it, just turned it off. Somehow figured it out. Interesting. And he's got a printout of of that whole sequence of events that corresponds to what we observe
2: visually tom how many times have you seen uh what we could say is a non-human
5: entity uh well are you on the bradshaw ranch you mean yeah <clears throat> um well, you know, we never really saw an entity. We saw strange things, you know, lights and just strange things around. It couldn't be hard to explain. But uh, oh, uh, well, there was there was a, a woman and her two children saw a dragon, a little dragon walking down the the uh, the, the dry creek there, and we've we've heard things walking down that uh, uh, dry creek, but they they saw the it was a, about a ten foot dragon. Uh, like creature and uh they uh they, they they saw it for about three seconds but uh, actually enti- ent- entities know uh, all sorts of other f- phenomena but not uh not not beings no
2: so i was mentioning earlier is it common that you you sense something maybe you smell it maybe you uh hear it uh but not necessarily see it always is that the case tom
5: yeah, well, you know, we, we used it. We had to. We only had uh, myself and the Bradshaw's were weren't very. We weren't rich people, so we had, we only had uh, thirty five millimeter film, uh, film cameras. Yeah, well, the what uh, digital what didn't exist then when we were doing this stuff. So, so I, one night I had uh, uh, we we would smell rose rose smells uh, uh, around the ranch. Uh, roses not like a huge rose garden. Yep.
2: And we're going to have to have you continue that thought because we are at a break, but we'll continue. Tom Dongo, Alan McGargle, Ron Meyer with us. We're talking about Bradshaw Ranch near Sedona, Arizona, and we'll be right back.
4: Into the Paranormal.
2: Sensing the strange on into the paranormal. I'm Jeremy Scott talking about uh, this property known as Bradshaw Ranch where things are just a little bit strange. As I mentioned, you don't necessarily always see something. Uh, In some cases, you hear it, or in the case of Tom Dongo was telling us right before the break about an experience in which it smelled like roses. And, of course, out there, uh, there are no roses, are there, Tom?
5: No. And then the other thing that, that uh, was uh, <clears throat> uh, not, not common, but I, I went into my van. I had a van at the time to reload my 35-millimeter my camera, and something came into the van with me, and it smelled like burning tar and sulfur. It was so strong I could hardly breathe. So, you know, there's all, co- all sorts of negative connotations with that. So I, I reloaded my camera, and I felt something behind me, and I, I still feel bad about this to this day. I spun around, and, and uh, I, I, I uh, activated the flash on the camera first. I spun around, took a flash picture, and it was like a giant daisy right there. And it, it, when the flash hit it, it wilted like, a, like it was a, like a wilting flower. And I, I, think I, I actually think I heard something very bad. Uh, so you know, because of the way it welted, uh, and then and then before we were talking about creatures, yes, we did see creatures on the ranch. In fact, uh, I uh, um, one of the one of the one of the big big uh, TV shows is going to do a, a segment on this, and we, we dickered about it for six months. Uh, it, it was ancient aliens, and uh, so we uh, we uh, one night the the, the uh, the Bradshaws had seven dogs that would dig into the sand. They, they stayed outside all the time. So, in the winter, they'd dig into the sand. And so, to uh, to stay warm in the summer, they dig into the sand and stay cold. So, one night, uh, all seven dogs l- jumped up simultaneously and ran off towards the apple orchard. So, Linda and I had uh, 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 three million candle power spotlights. So, we shined our lights there. There had been a there had been a, a being there all the time, probably for hours, watching us. It was by a, a fence post, in an apple orchard, and it ran. Th- these things would never. Uh, when we got pictures of them, they, they would never show us their face, full full face shot. We got side profiles and that sort of thing, but never never a full face. So this guy, he, he was all brown, shoes brown, skin brown, clothes brown. Uh, and uh, he he ran off tore uh, away from us at a uh, diagonally, and the dogs were right behind him. So when the dogs caught up with him, he disappeared. Just blinked. He was gone. But he was right by a yucca uh, bush, which is about seven feet tall. So I knew exactly where he disappeared. And uh, uh, so the next day, and the dogs came back. They they uh, they they. they, they Laid back down. So we we uh, next day, Linda and I went out there, and there were no tracks, no footprints. There were plenty of dog tracks, but this thing didn't make didn't leave any tracks. And it was about five foot six, I would say. And we knew exactly where it disappeared, where it blinked out. So we we took we took turns pushing our arms through this spot. See, can you see my arm? Is my arm still there? That kind of stuff. And we we were afraid one of us was going to disappear, but we didn't. So we we figured there must have been another portal there that this thing went into. This guy.
2: Very, very interesting. Uh, time winding down with Alan McGargle and Ron Meyer. I want to give them both the opportunity uh, for some final comments. Uh, go ahead, Ron.
3: Well, whatever happens out there is pretty unpredictable. Um, the only place that uh, for certainty is this this one spot that we call the the place of high strangeness, and it's kind of in front of the old Adobe building. Mm-hmm. And if people go out there, I'm sure some they'll experience something because everybody does. One of the explanations is that if it is an interdimensional connection there, that you have, have a, two universes that are merging with different physical constants, and that has a negative effect on our biology. So that's why we all got kind of whacked. Um, but uh, my, I, I, it's hard to have a conceptual framework to say what in the heck this was, but maybe this is the way that's something else, some other life form, an alien life form is beginning to build, and maybe it's been building for a long time, a common history so that eventually we'll be able to communicate with
2: it. And Alan?
6: Yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with Ron. The um, the whole place is really lives up to the billing, I would say. Um, I've been watching the Skinwalker Ranch television show for quite some time, and to be on the ground at Bradshaw felt very much the same. You know, it has the two old homesteads and other strange areas um and it, it really felt like we were in the middle of i think as tom put it the uh, grand central station for uh, the unusual just right, we'll uh, let
2: you know when you can find uh, the mystery of bradshaw ranch portals and the paranormal streaming my thanks to ron meyer and alan mcgargle and we'll be back
4: Thank you for making Into the Parabnormal the number one podcast on TalkStream Live's Paranormal Radio app. life out there? Well, they'd probably be listening to this show. You're in good company into the paranormal. I'm
2: Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal. There's something about the site out there near Sedona known as Bradshaw Ranch. It's uh, known to many as a paranormal hotspot, and we're discussing it all tonight with a fantastic panel of individuals uh, who have given us a lot to chew on so far. And we'd like to welcome to the program right now from UFOSightingTours.com, Melinda Leslie, who is a psychic reader and UFO tour guide for the Center for the New Age in Sedona, Arizona. So she is right there in the heart of all of this activity. Good evening, Melinda. Good evening, so tell us. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. What is
1: it about? What I think, is it, I'm, I'm parking somewhere in my car, and I'm <laughs> I'm not doing this from home. I'm doing it in my car because I actually get better reception for a phone call if I'm out in town, in alignment with where our cell towers are. Where I live, it can be spotty. And you're so trying to do parallel parking. Do
2: you're trying to do parallel no, no, parking. I'm
1: good now. I'm good now. I was in one. <laughs> parking lot and I went to another where I'm going to even have better
2: coverage. Well, good. You know, it's live radio and and anything can happen and perhaps it will. So, uh, Sedona, Arizona, uh, what is it about that area that maybe is a conduit for some of the activity that we've already discussed tonight?
1: Well, um, the, the leading reason, now unfortunately I did not hear the rest of the show um and uh it's a long story but i didn't hear the rest of the show um and so i don't know what was discussed but i'll tell you uh, the the type of activity
2: that we've we've discussed anything from orbs to ufos uh to non-human entities um you know anomalies temperature uh changes uh, maybe high radiation levels uh kind of all of the above uh The the panel so far has basically stated that they have experienced all of the above and more.
1: Okay. Well, first off, I want to make sure you can hear me. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. My sounds good.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Okay. Very good. Now, now you mentioned my tours, and just so people understand, I've now completed one thousand seven hundred and eight. UFO sighting tours. Um, that's a lot, <laughs> really? and and we have sightings every time. You know, uh, about a year into doing this, it's now going on almost 13 years, 12 and a half, years, a little over 12 and a half years, to reach 1,708. Now I, that number would even be higher, but we have a lot of cloudy nights, so if it's too cloudy, we won't see anything. I cancel. The reason I said that is uh, this is a UFO hotspot. You know, uh, it is known for constant sightings. Um, Certainly when I started my tours, I never dreamt we'd have sightings every time. Uh, About a year into doing it, I started to offer a money-back guarantee because we have sightings every time. I've only had four times out of 1,708 tours, only four times my clients felt they didn't have a sighting. And uh, sighting meaning, of course, true UFO, UAP sighting. Um, we have seen fully structured craft, full structure, like, you know, I'm looking for something here in my car, you know, like if I held up my cell phone, you know, in the air above me, seeing all the hard edges. If you can get all the, you know, hard edges uh, of an object, you're seeing the structure of it. We have seen full structure uh, 60, maybe 63 times, so at least 60 times we've seen full structure. Um... Since I moved to Sedona just under 13 years ago, I have now had 17 daytime structure craft sightings, full structure craft during the day, 17 times, and uh, uh, my second to last one, now this is the other thing, we've had military jets come in and follow and or chase objects um, structured objects four times and twice with what I would call big light on my tours. And then I just had that happen the other, well, not the other day, a year ago. A year ago, with, I also do some hiking tours uh, with, what I call vortex tours where I take people to our vortex locations. And I had, I had these two women on the vortex tour and we had over the hills in the distance, these military jets pop over the hill, very low, dip down over the mountain down into the valley right where we were. We were kind of up on a hill next to the, one of the major canyon areas. It dipped down into that canyon valley area and then dipped up again. But what it was is there were three military jets, I believe F-18s, because they had the swept back wings. F-8. In fact, they were F-18s because they had the swept back wings. and um, and, it comp- and they were accompanying this oval object that was not completely round, not a disc, but roughly roughly oval in shape. Um, and they were accompanying that, and my clients weren't into UFO stuff. But while we were watching, because it was going by right in front of us, we're up on a hill, but kind of down in the valley. It's still above us, but almost straight out from us. And I had them, you know, describing to me why they're seeing it. And they said, you know, the, the planes were loud, had engines. This thing was completely silent. The planes have thrust pushing forward. This object drifted side to side and occasionally lagged. Quoting my clients, like, it's it's not flying the same as the jets. It occasionally slows down, and then it has to kind of speed up and catch up with them. And then it kind of lags or slows down, catches up with them again. So clearly flying very, very differently than the jets, which have thrust. Um but my point to saying all that is this area is a hot spot for sightings. The leading theory as to why it's such a hot spot for sightings, and thus, I know you guys, I, I, I assume you're talking a lot about Bigfoot stuff, right? Another yeah, And other paranormal things, correct? Yeah. Okay, Okay, Um After me, you're supposed to have Jay on, right, y- Jurgen?
2: Absolutely. He's uh, waiting in the wings. Yeah,
1: Okay. Okay. So is he listening now even? Hi. <laughs> he is
2: listening. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay. okay, okay. Um, and he's going to cover some amazing Bigfoot experiences. And make sure he tells you about the petroglyphs and the pictographs, the Indian artwork depicting Bigfoot clearly. Clearly. I, I, you know, I think anyone, if you just look at the pictures, will go, okay, that's clear what that is. Depicting Bigfoot and depicting the ant people that come on from under the ground to the Indians and the sky people, or the star, the star beings, the star people, the star people, the ant people, and Bigfoot. So the ones from space, the ones from in the ground, and then also, you know, and 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 then ships, ships, and and really, really ancient Indian art in our cliffs depicting this. Um in kind of obscure areas where you gotta go you gotta know where to go look, but jay has found some, well he, not so much that he's found, but uh tom don dongo local veteran researcher told him of some and some other people anyways you know he but he's not known where to go look and he's taking amazing pictures, of course radio's horrible for that but but he can tell you about it and anyways, but going back to why this area has all this activity and the leading theory, and it's probably more than theory, it's probably why, and that's that we have what are called the the vortex and the vortices, the separate, you know, what is considered the vortex areas. Now, all of Sedona is on the world energy grid map as one of the places on the planet with the most of amount of what are called uh, energy lines or ley lines, traditionally known, crossing in one location. And it just so happens when you start to say that information, it works out the geometry around the planet, but there's, you know, there's like a top, you know, 20 places, let's say, with the most amount of lines crossing. I don't know the exact numbers. I'm not an expert in that, but I do know... That there are these places. They're also not only are they called the vortex locations on the planet. They're called the nodal locations. If you think about it, like the if you're familiar with like acu pressure, acupuncture for for the human body, and you have the meridians and and uh, uh, reflexology for the body, you have these energy meridians. Um, and so, if you think of the planet as having the same kind of meridians. And that's kind of the uh, belief or understanding about that. Well, there are these places on the planet known to be the places where the most of these lines cross. And Sedona is certainly one of those. And then we have rushing water underground, underground wa- water aquifers, like streams, you know, and they're rushing water. And those are going through layers of quartz. Well, quartz is used in computers and electronics and watches and everything else because it's known for conducting and amplifying energy. That's why it's used. It's and lasers you know it's used because it, it' you know you cut it a certain way it focuses the energy, condenses it and amplifies it and hence you can end up with a laser or you know whatever connections and computers, et cetera. So you have washing water going through quartz. Well, washing water is an energy source going through quartz, which is a conductor. And above the quartz, you have layers of granite. Granite is a known capacitor and store of energy. That's why it stores up energy before it finally shifts. And then you have, you know, uh, plate tectonics and continental movement and earthquakes and whatnot, you know, because it shifts and uh, or upheaval you know mountain ranges it all all that you know that geology is well understood that that you have these shifts and it's the granite stores up the energy and then suddenly releases all at once often leading as an example you know to earthquakes okay so quartz and then above it like i said granite capacitor above that more quartz more conductor above that more granite capacitor and above that more quartz in layers and um and so, when you have rushing water going through that, well, again, going through a conductive material and then a capacitor stored above it of energy and then another conductor, another capacitor in the layers. charge, And then on top were sandstone leaching out iron. We're very famous for our red rock formations for our red soil. And that's because we have an extremely high iron content. The early settlers here, their number one commerce was orchards and growing fruit trees because, you know, like apple trees and whatnot because of the high iron content. And so you have, when you put iron on top of conducting capacitor, conductor, capacitor, conductor, capacitor in layers with an energy source running through it, well, we have a modern day term for that. <laughs> Do you know what I just described?
2: Uh, she's describing a hot spot, I'm guessing. We are at a breakpoint I'm talking with Melinda Leslie. We still have Tom Dongo with us, and Hoodoo Tall is coming up next. I'm Jeremy Scott. We will be right back.
4: Into the Paranormal.
2: seems like the conditions are ripe for paranormal activity out on Bradshaw Ranch. uh, Hotspot, was that the word uh, you were going to uh, tell us, (laughs) Melinda? Yeah, I'm going to
1: make sure my sound's okay again. Okay. Um, No, no. I was saying when you have an energy source going through conductor, capacitor, conductor, capacitor, and layers, and... And a conductive metal like iron on top, see, we're sandstone leaching out iron, which is why our it's red. It's that iron content. When you have iron on top of conductor-capacitor-conductor-capacitor conductor, capacitor, with an energy source, we have a modern-day piece of technology that I just described. Do you know what that technology is? Tell us. Very simple. A battery. So ah. literally, like your car battery has iron. Uh, you know, your little, your little you know, double-A's have usually, you know copper on them, you know, any conductive metal. Okay. So what I just described was a battery. So literally our geology, I mean, literally, literally our geology here in Sedona is a giant battery charging up and releasing. So you take all of Sedona as a big vortex on the world grid map as one of those major locations. And then you have areas because of the geology that are taking that energy, charging it up, and releasing it, and that's why we're considered this, this area has vortexes or vortices, a proper way to say it, vortices.
2: All right, I want to give Tom Dongo a chance to uh, respond, because he's going to jump off with us here at the bottom of the hour. Tom, uh, your thoughts to what Melinda has uh, said so far?
5: Well, yeah, I, I agree with it because uh, I've always said, you know, the, uh, the red rocks of Sedona are red because it's rust. If you scratch one of those rocks, they're white underneath. So uh, the red is iron oxide, magnetic. So, you know, I, I, she uh, uh, says it different than I would, but I agree.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that iron on top is that conductive metal releasing that energy that our whole geology is building and storing up and releasing causing it to be, quote, you know, those, the vortex locations, which is an increased electromagnetic field. You know, Tom, I've had um, uh, people, everything from with, uh, you know, divining rods, especially the free swinging ones that your hand's not actually touching. Um, Certainly people with compasses uh, show, and I've seen compasses spin opposite directions, spin slowly, you know, in the vortex locations, and it ebbs and flows, so it's not always there. But, you know, if you're testing it pretty frequently, you'll see that. And then I have a friend who lives in Seattle, Washington, and has this equipment that he's hired by companies to find minerals for, like, mining and things like that. And, and he, has, he has instrumentation that detects changes in the electromagnetic field, and he knows that certain rings in the electromagnetic field Combined with some other, i don't I don't know what all he has, but he he finds minerals for companies, but in part by using this. He brings his equipment here to Sedona. He'll travel here. and he brings it and and sets it up. And he said in Seattle, Washington, on his equipment, he gets a baseline reading of forty five, whatever that means, forty five. okay. That same equipment, when he brings it here, the baseline reading on the electromagnetic field, pretty much anywhere in Sedona. He says he gets a ring of about 80. One night he was out with us, with me in a tour, at one of the Vortex locations, long story short, and my clients were feeling like it was underwater. They were feeling pressure. They were feeling like an electrical charge. They were feeling pressure, like almost like being underwater. And he said, Melinda, I have my equipment in the car, and I know it's a rather big thing. And I said, oh, you don't have to set up. He goes, no, no, I want to. So he sets it up. He got a reading of 120, and he said it was the highest reading he'd ever
2: had. All right, we have to take a break. I'm I, I'm paying to do so, but we're not going to end it there. We're going to give Tom Dongo a chance for closing comments, Melinda Leslie as well, and then Hoodoo Tall coming up. I'm Jeremy Scott, somewhere between paranormal and abnormal.
4: This is Paranormal News. NASA's UAP study is winding down and will release its report on Thursday, along with a briefing at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. The 16-member team was commissioned last year to conduct a nine-month study of unidentified anomalous phenomena. The report comes four months after they held a public meeting where they claimed there was simply not enough evidence.
0: It's now our collective responsibility to investigate these occurrences with the rigorous scientific scrutiny that they deserve.
6: Only a very small percentage of UAP reports display signatures that could reasonably be described as anomalous.
1: The existing data available from
5: eyewitness reports are often muddled and cannot provide conclusive evidence that supports UAP recognition and analysis.
4: The team maintains there are a limited number of high quality observations of UAP, which make it impossible to draw firm scientific conclusions about their nature and origin. George Henry, Paranormal News
7: most of us have heard about the Skinwalker Ranch and it's an interesting place but they can't capture any of the phenomenon on video and they can't get photos of things but they can see it however when the Bradshaws lived on this ranch they had no problem capturing it not only did I see objects flying over our head in the sky the first trip but I didn't think I would see any more than that and every time I'm out here I'm experiencing more each time which is what keeps me coming back
4: Don't concentrate too hard, or you might get sucked into a black hole. Into the paranormal,
2: or you might walk through a, a portal or a vortex and uh, experience some something strange, as which we are discussing tonight. And I really want to say it now before we get to the end of the program and we're rushed for time because it is information overload night, which is always a good thing. It's one of those shows you may have to go back and listen to a second time just to soak it all in. Is uh, Thank you for listening to this program and for tuning us in nightly across the USA and for your support in the end of the Parabnormal store and uh, also by sharing and liking and following us in all the social media places. You heard the voice there of Hoodoo Tall, who's joining the program right now. He was mentored by the late John Lear and takes a hands-on approach to researching strange phenomena and finding ways to capture evidence. Uh, He's actually the subject of a self-titled documentary, and uh, he too much like Tom Dongo, has spent a lot of time at this site. Welcome to the program, Hoodoo. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, so how long have you spent over the years at this site? I spent the
7: last, well, I spent five years coming out here and spending uh, 10 days at a time to to go to the ranch, and then I moved out here last July so that I could go you know, a couple of times a week now and just kind of commit more full time to it because more and more keeps happening. And I was wondering if, if I let the phenomena get more familiar with me, will it let more, ha- you know, can I experience more? And oddly enough, that really seems to be the case. It's really kind of escalated. I mean, I had to call Tom on the phone a couple of weeks ago i think and just ask him like hey i don't know what to do next out here and he's like we didn't either you know it's it's kind of this bizarre thing because he, the the tactics most people take don't seem to work very well trail cams and things like that but if you go out there with the right intention and some sort of tech cameras seem to work fairly well you know regular point and shoot cameras and your cell phone cameras seems to be okay but it it really seems like you have to uh or the beings out there have to let you get the photo. You're not gonna sneak up on them and you're not gonna catch them in, off guard or anything like that, at, at least from my experiences out there. Um and you know, recently it's really I'll give you the I'll give you the goods right up front. Recently it's gotten uh to a point I'm kind of still trying to figure out. I, I started taking the same approach Linda Bradshaw took. She started using a red plate to feed it. So I started using a red plate and it started feeding. And what do you feed? Like, so I tried a lot of things first. It, it, it didn't take mushrooms. It didn't I tried like organic vegetables and stuff first. It didn't that didn't work. And then all of a sudden, one day there was a polished green stone right in the middle of the red plate and it looked like a grape. I was like, I wonder if it wants grapes. So i went and bought three or four pounds of grapes and piled them on this plate and the next morning they were all gone completely gone plate was still in the exact same spot so nothing like pulled at it or nothing there were no little tracks around that i could find they were just kind of gone and i kept doing it with grapes and grapes disappear overnight when other things don't so i thought that was kind of bizarre and then it started leaving me gifts it started along with the green polish rock it left me this other big rock and with linda bradshaw it would leave her gifts and little sticks and things like that so <clears throat> in her book she said that the next thing that happened you know she was explaining this in hindsight so she kind of knew the sequence she went through a little better when she explained it but she said the next thing that happened was it laid in the ground and left its body impression in the ground and she kind of felt looking back that that was so Linda could see how big this thing was because shortly after that it let her see it during the middle of the day and maybe it didn't want her to be afraid so it left a body impression so that it wouldn't be she wouldn't be freaked out when she saw it and twice in the last uh in this this year twice now I found a body impression In the front yard of the house, it's laying down in the exact same way Linda described it. It it lays down on its back with its elbows out to the side and its hands on its chest. And I measured this one and elbow to elbow, it's six feet across and it's 12 feet tall both times. Mm -hmm. And Then on the solstice, it let me see it for the first time in the day. Now, I, I ran into one out there one night that I talk about in the Hoodoo Tall documentary. And people can go on YouTube and watch it. It's free um but this this is the first time i've seen one during the day and it was standing directly across the apple orchard from me and it was i was staring right at it and i was so confused because there's a big wall of green trees and i could see this brown thing and it looked like a head and shoulders and it was looked like it was staring right at me and i was no, it can't be like, is that like a dead tree that happens to look like a creature? I'm like, at maybe 10 seconds. And then it turned uh, 90 degrees to the left and walked away. And I just couldn't even believe it. I, I grabbed the nearest person. I had a few people with me. I pointed where I was. I went over there, put my hand up, which is eight feet tall, and had them take a picture so I could judge the height of this thing. And this thing was 12 feet tall. Um, and then I put a chalkboard out and drew a bunch of symbols. And the same day I saw it, I discovered a new symbol on my chalkboard. It had left the symbol for us to see. Um, won't quite give away. We did. We did match the symbol to something, but I'll won't quite give that away yet. But
2: and did you uh, capture this entity on camera?
7: Uh, that one, no, but the photo that you have is the only photo of a creature I've gotten out of I have one other one I'm going to show in Uru Tal too, but you can just see its glowing eyeballs. But the one I sent you, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to get one that good ever again. And that was a sequence of photos. That's just the best one. It almost looks photo, like uh,
2: Godzilla. I mean, if I'm going to describe he, it simply.
7: It's... So I went and looked and I, th- I, I, from my best guess, it's hunched over, it's bent down and it's about six and a half feet tall because I went and bent down there and I was about the same height. But this thing was three or four times wider than me. Um, I did encounter two of them one night in a dry creek bed where the petroglyphs are. There's carvings of Bigfoot. It was the first place I had an encounter with one, first place I found a footprint. Um, i go over that area and show the photos and things like that of those um, petroglyphs in hoodoo uh, so people can see all that stuff and and down there actually just recently i found a whole nother series of carvings in the winter because you can't see them in the summer but in the winter time it's uh, snowy and when i move the snow off this one particular rock i found a carving a bigfoot there because they carve this big creature and then they carve its footprint in the ground they carve a bigfoot footprint next to it so you know what it is and we went there at night because we thought you know well if they carved all these creatures there there's also sky people carved there and ant people all these aliens carved there so we went there at night and this was the first time i heard it whistle back at us it was just me and one other person and um We heard some rummaging around us and we are in the middle of nowhere, deep down in a dry creek where there's no trail. I mean, you just got to know where to go. And something whistled back at us about 50 feet away. And this had lips. It wasn't a bird. Um, So one of the things I did when I first moved out here was took the Native American that I met's advice and I would go sit out in the woods and I go sit on this hill next to Bradshaw and I sit for hours and just listen and look. So I know what's there normally. I know the sounds. I know the birds and the animals. I learned about the cows. There's some tracks that I found that look like these two toenails. and I couldn't figure out those are cows. I found that out by tracking cows out here in the middle of the rain in the middle of the night. Um, but that helped a lot. You have to you have to understand your surroundings. So this thing whistled at us, and then we heard it breaking branches, and then we heard one on the ridge above us. And as we uh, we waited maybe twenty minutes, we we heard it rummaging around, and then uh, we decided to leave. And as we walked out, we could see it pacing us up up on top of the ridge. I mean, we stopped, and it stopped, and I pointed to the person with me. I was like, "Look, look right there. Is that not?" The creature's whole body and its head, and it was moving its head side to side, kind of looking at us. And she looked and she said, Yeah, I mean, it absolutely, there was no argument. Like, we we're both like, Holy, it's right there. And I went back the next day, and the spot where we had been standing, there's this really steep rock that leads up to the top of the um, cliffside. And it's trouble walking up that thing when it's dry. And it was covered in snow, and it had bipedal footprints coming down it, it didn't slip. This thing was able to walk down that thing easily. And I do have video of those tracks at least. But sometimes the video camera is scared of the Bigfoots away. They, it, it's hit or miss. It's really bizarre. Like sometimes they'll let you see them, but most of the time, like a good example, I had people in my tent and in a campground here where the Bigfoot comes through a lot. And it came through a night and it was grunting real loud right outside the tent. And the, and the people in the tent with me were really afraid. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to. I would try to de-escalate instead of um you know try to go out and, and encounter this thing so i just told my friend get your camera out and he got his camera out and turned it on and it disappeared so it these aren't terrestrial creatures um i know people want to force that but they're just not they just you know they'll leave four footprints that are two inches deep in the dirt when you know my track it doesn't even it just leaves a yeah. boot mark um You know cows they at least leave a whole line of tracks you can track cows these other creatures especially at the ranch and i find all kinds of crazy footprints out there there's so much more than just a bigfoot walking around on that property the weirdest ones i found this year were about two and a half inches wide three toes and a whole line of them and these things were 42 inches apart their steps um, Tom and I are about that same height. We're like six three. I think our steps are like twenty-eight or twenty-nine inches, something like that. These yeah. things were 42 and tiny little feet. And there was a baby with it because there's a like a slighter, lighter imprint of f- feet in the ground walking next to it. And you know, it's talk about information overload, you know, the, the ranch. It, it, it's cool because you go there and you think, oh, there might be a Bigfoot and, and then there is, and then there's dinosaurs and then there's little aliens walking around and then there's UFO showing. I mean, it's like,
2: it's it, the it, whole it's enchilada. Like,
7: it's, it, it, and, it, and it seems like it's like, wait, this is too, like, nobody's going to believe me. But if I try to figure out ways to encourage a friendly exchange of evidence, I guess, you know, like I'm trying to find ways that they'll leave evidence for me to find. Footprints seem to be fairly common because I've been finding quite a bit. Uh orbs, the, the orbs and photos of orbs and these weird little spirals going through the sky that Tom used to get photos of. I, I get a bunch of those. These really bizarre, really thick, smoky apparitions appear in the cameras. Uh I think some of the best photos out there are the ones Tom and Linda got of the fully formed people standing right in front of them that they couldn't see. Uh, that's one of the reasons I started going to Bradshaw at night was to try to get photos like Tom got um, yeah you know if it wasn't for Tom I would never even have heard of Bradshaw you know I'm so grateful for his help and Linda's help uh, Melinda's help too because you know I, I... <laughs> we were joking that Melinda needs to look up on her tour log and see if anyone's gone on her tour more than me because I don't know that anyone has at
1: this point but... <laughs> Um, you know
3: (laughs) no
7: yeah and you know now I have a way to attach my camera to her night vision so now I can go out there with her and we can start capturing this stuff on some decent video and and start to show people how real it is and also encourage people it listen if, if you sit at home worrying or wondering if UFOs are real you know you can do what I did. You know, I would go down these YouTube rabbit holes, but then I came to Sedona and it's like your feet are in wonderland when you're here. You don't need to go chasing down rabbit holes. This is wonderland. You can see UFOs every single night here. Like if you're wonder if they're real, just come on vacation to Sedona.
2: You might even sense the strange there. I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up our conversation after this short break. And we'll do that after this.
4: Into the Paranormal.
2: I think I'm not the only one who is uh, feeling the vibe tonight. I certainly get the sense that this show was meant to be. It may have been Destiny, You don't have to bore you with all the details behind the scenes, but it's not uh, easy to get everybody's schedules uh, to align. I appreciate every single one of my guests tonight for being available to talk about just uh, what sounds like an amazing experience, that experience being Bradshaw Ranch. Uh, In the final few moments that we have on the program tonight, uh, we're going to give them each an opportunity uh, to give us some closing comments and to uh, tell you how you can contact them and about any uh, books or DVDs or tours uh, that they have. And so we're going to start with you first, Tom.
5: Yeah, okay, real quick. Uh, When Linda Bradshaw and and I were out there on the ranch, one thing we learned early on was Uh, If anybody was terrified, everything hated human human fear. If somebody was fear-stricken, nothing would happen. Uh, And then the other thing, uh, talking about uh, infrared, uh, about 20 years ago when the uh, ye olde uh, UFO store was in Sedona, it was a group uh, shot we took one night, and somebody had hooked up their, their digital camera to a night vision, camera and took a picture, and between me and another guy, there was an alien standing, a a, creature, a humanoid creature standing between us. It's very clear. I think I've got that in emerging dimensions, but I'm not positive. <laughs> but it's it's clearly there. A, a, a humanoid creature on the night vision. Amazing.
2: Uh, we'll have to check that out. Uh, that book is available on Amazon. We've got it linked up at ParanormalRadio.com. Melinda, go ahead.
1: Sorry, I just was Tom, Tom. Yeah, I've seen that picture. It is an emerging dimensions, and it is there. That between between, it's a crowd of people standing in between two of you. But um, I just wanted to say, first off, it's a complete trip, treat and trip. <laughs> but I meant to say treat <laughs> to be on here with with my d- dear dear friends, uh, Tom, who I've known for a very long time, and it's a real treat to do this with him and and Hoodoo. Um, but I will say this: like I was saying about the vortex is that. Is why this area is such a hot spot for paranormal activity, for the various cryptids. And, yes, poor Jay, I haven't even told you about this. I took my friends from Canada. We have the three-toed thing. It looks like almost like a big chicken foot, like a, a back toe and two front ones, making this three-toed thing really deep. My friends from Canada are blown away. We took a bunch of pictures of it. It's not, you know, it, it <laughs> what it has, what it like, giant chicken feet and it has this, like, you know, 40-foot, not forty foot, forty inch spread between its, you know, footprint. So we saw that it, it was phenomenal, and our and it was hard soil where our feet barely, you know, went deep, and this thing went deep. But anyways, but I'll just say it's this huge paranormal hot spot in Sedona. For for ghost activity, for the for the cryptids that we were just talking about, and for the UFO sightings, and the leading theory, I think behind all that, I think it's more than the theory. I think it's why is because it's this increased electromagnetic field vortex location. The, it's this vortex location and that energy, and but but here's the other thing I wanted to say besides drawing the UFOs and the cryptids and the ghosts and everything else, this and 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 of psychic abilities and all that that this area is known for. But on top of that, because of all that, it's got a military interest. And Tom, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but we have a deep underground military base out here that um, certain abductees have been to, and they've seen ETs and humans working together there. No joke. I really? think
2: that yeah. I think that may have been before uh, Tom came on, but we did allude to that at the beginning of the program. All right, who do bring us home? <laughs> yeah
7: um appreciate you having me on um we are working on editing together hoodoo tall two now and i'll put that out on youtube within the you know the next few months hopefully we've got some great footage of ufos loads of footprints and other anomalies Uh, and if um people want to see some of the current findings i usually just post them on my instagram which is just at a baby raven Um, The three-toed print is there. The T-Rex footprint I found this summer was there. That kind of freaked me out a bit, like a live T-Rex footprint, not a not a fossilized one, like in the dirt. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. And Hmm. yeah, if this thing, if this subject interests you, I encourage you to at least come out to Sedona and just see it for yourself. You know, and put put the question to bed of whether or not it's real, and start wondering about what it is.
2: Hoodoo Tall, Tom Dongo, Melinda Leslie. It is time to say goodnight, so let's do that. Goodnight.
1: Night, y'all. Good, goodnight, everybody.
2: It's good to have you all with us. We've got uh, their links up at ParanormalRadio.com. There's something going on out there between the paranormal and the abnormal. I'm Jeremy Scott. Until tomorrow night, night, and God bless.